Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. All right, Gearheads, welcome to Speed City. We just watched the Formula One Monaco Grand Prix. This is John Massengill. I have with me Jonathan Green, Les Kaiser, and Bob Varsha, and Chris Medlin's going to join us from the grid at Monaco here shortly. Well, gentlemen, we had a little bit of everything, including an hour delay. Bob Varsha, I want to start with you. What do you think about this race today? Well, I think it was everything we talked about on our pre-race show about what happens when you have a wet and drying racetrack. Uh, nobody knew what to start on. Tires were being changed on the grid from slicks to intermediates to full wets. Um, and then finally, after that long delay, you said everybody got off, went down the road. Cars started crashing behind the safety car in the early laps, including Nicholas Latifi and Lance Stroll. Uh, and then the big accident for uh, Mick Schumacher that led to a red flag. Uh, and along the way, team had to react in terms of uh, conditions and um you know if you listen to the bbc coverage red bull did a beautiful job of strategy ferrari not so much at one point charles leclerc was screaming at his team because he didn't do what his teammate did he didn't go right from the full wet tires to the slick tires when it got dry enough he went full wet media uh, intermediate and then slick tires which means he gave up you know 24 25 second pit stop to his teammate uh, and then when all the undercutting start, he found himself dropping back to fourth place. You can be sure he was extremely frustrated. But up front, great driving in perilous conditions by uh, the top finishers uh, and even some of the guys further back doing a great job trying to come forward. But uh, they just didn't have the mechanical and tire combination that they needed. Fascinating race, which they always seem to be when it's wet. <laughs> what do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, uh, wholeheartedly agree with Bob. Um, it was what we said it would be. Um, I have to say hats off to Sergio Perez because the pressure he was under, given who was behind him, given that he'd never, uh, you know, won at Monaco and all the rest of it, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant drive under unbelievable circumstances. I'm watching him on the podium now, literally crying. First Mexican to win, unbelievable stuff. But I have to say it. Drop the ball, the scooter rear. It doesn't matter whether Nigel Mansell, Gerhard Berger, Alan Prost, or more recently, Michael Schumacher and many others. They just, Vettel, they just drop the ball on their drivers when their drivers are performing brilliantly. And they did it again today. They let Leclerc down. Yeah. Don't you suppose in the Red Bull pits, after what happened last week in Spain, where they told uh, Checo Perez, that he had to let his teammate Max Verstappen by twice in that race. Now that he had Leclerc behind Verstappen, I wonder if they thought, well, you know, we did what we did to Checo last week. Let's let's make sure he gets this one to try to make it up to him. And uh, either way, I agree. This is terrific. You know, the first Mexican driver to win. Uh, it's obviously an emotional thing for him. His third victory moves him past. Uh, the iconic Pedro Rodriguez, who won two Formula One Grand Prix, and now Checo has his third, and he's the he's the most decorated Mexican driver of all time. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, real obstacle was having signs between uh, Checo and Max that protected Checo from receiving that team order to have to trade out, because there's no way they were going to have Checo back off a little bit more than he was already doing to to let Max get up there. Just the complication of having signs between them uh, created quite a bit of protection for Checo, is the way I view that. Well, you know, it, it, we used to talk about Checo being the tire whisperer, one of those guys 
guys who could get the most out of the rubber. Uh, that's how he got his win in Baku when his teammate blew a tire and crashed. Um, and the one was the other race was in Bahrain or somewhere. And uh, same kind of deal. You know, he just got more out of the rubber than anybody else did. And I think this was another example of that. He's mopping his brow in relief now, but he did just a, a fabulous job with those tires. You know, for a guy who, who didn't have a driver, you know, not that long ago and was almost not washed up, but, um, you know, he'd had his run, he'd had his shot. And were it not for Alban being, uh, you know, poked aside, um, he's now back in the forefront. And very much, if I were Christian Horner and I was looking at the odds for the next few Grand Prix or the next season ahead, you can't, you can't give this championship team orders at the moment. It's too close. And there's going to be too many sure. guys capable of winning. You have to keep Perez in the game. Jonathan, that's what yeah. I was thinking, what you just said about, you know, he may not even have been in Formula One. But I was thinking that when I was watching him jump out of the car, hold the Mexican flag up, and then fall back into the seat because, you know, in, in the back of his head, he's just thinking, this is a dream. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. But, I, I mean, I don't know if any of you agree because, you know, this championship, I mean, obviously you'd say on paper it's between Leclerc and Verstappen, but look what's ahead. There's so much racing to come yet. And now we've got so many guys capable. I mean, I think Magnuson's going to have a win before too long. <laughs> yeah, uh, not a great day for the Haas team. And, man, you know what? Uh, great to see Schumacher okay. And yeah. that crash looked so bad. When I saw the car in two pieces, I immediately went silent like everybody. But then uh, the commentators reminded me that that car – the new car is designed to break away like that after Grosjean's big fireball crash in Bahrain a couple of years ago. Right. So, but but the the next thing I thought of was the budget cap for Haas. That's a disaster for them. Yeah, not good, is it? But it was good to hear Magnussen in his interview with the BBC saying, you know, but we've got a great car, so let's go on to the next Grand Prix. So that you know that bodes well. Yeah, you know, and the other thing in Washington is most of these. Uh, I mean, even Madison specifically wasn't—he was not moving all that fast when it happened. I mean, relative to what we've seen those cars go through already this season, uh, that was where I was—I was, yeah, certainly took a deep breath. But uh, it is impressive how much can happen at such a slow race. But then, like we said in the earlier show, this is a tight course. No forgiveness. Oh, Sarah. I was worried about the cameraman on, on that corner. I, I walked past her the other day. Very nice lady. <laughs> That's right, Jonathan. You were there two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, what about Leclerc's team radio at the end there? Yeah, says it all. No words. And I think the words will come later. He's been robbed. He's been absolutely robbed. Uh, bad decision. Um, I mean, you know, either way you look at it, you, you, you know, they just didn't, they didn't help themselves. Yeah, it's a disaster for Ferrari. And and you know what? They had done so good this year, right? I mean, I'm trying to think back of any major problems, major strategy calls or anything, and I don't I don't recall any. No. I mean, you know, but well, Bernardo they've been outrun. Best lot. Go ahead. Well, I, I, you know, they've been outrun. Um, you know, Verstappen got um what am I trying to say? <laughs> Leclerc uh on tires at uh where was it um in saudi or you know he just waited uh imola where he waited till just a couple of laps to go and verstappen got uh charles leclerc on his overuse of the tires that's something leclerc's got to work on and the team has to support him in that effort they've got to learn about these new for 2022 pirelli 18 inch tires and what they'll do and what they won't and how fast to deteriorate and all that but yeah you're right they just don't seem to have the complete package. You know, after an hour delay, uh, I was thinking about, I always do, thinking about the American audience watching this going, what am I watching and what's happening and why aren't I getting any signals? And I think that is part of the, the problem that, that Formula One have with the ACM doing the coverage is because there was no, you know, there'll be a, there'll be a safety car lap in four minutes or five minutes. There was no information for a long time and we just sat there watching the rain. So I was thinking this isn't good for a TV audience, but then to see the spectacle of the last, you know, 20 laps with the four best right drivers in the world going hell bent for leather against each other. That's good TV. Yeah. Covered by a second. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty impressive. I've so. never seen, a, I've never seen, I've seen one, two like that, 
before at Monaco, but never four guys. Yeah. With yeah. back markers. And what about the, the uh, what about at the other end of the spectrum, the uh, the Alpine team? I mean, once uh, Ocon got that five second penalty for his collision with Hamilton down at San Devote, Alonso was was boogieing right along, perhaps to allow his teammate to separate himself from those behind, so he wouldn't lose a position at the finish with that five second penalty applied. And then Alonso just started, you know, dragging his feet. And uh, the top four or five cars all moved away. Ocon lost the opportunity to get that five-second gap over those behind and fell, you know, fell out of the points, I believe. You know, it, it continues to amaze me how much activity we had today because, you know, so often we'll, we do look at Monaco as no passing. But you saw quite a bit of changes. Yes, the rain is what, uh, you know, as, as I think it was Ricardo that said, it, it was, it'll get spicy. Yeah, it definitely did. And that changed everything. We saw strategies, you know, practically go out the window. But uh, mm -hmm. it was very definitely an exciting race for Monaco. Sure. And no DRS for most of the race. Not that yeah. it mattered. I mean, DRS was really useless. It was like two seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a tiny little DRS window there. Well, you almost, had, almost missed it. Yeah, I was you just hear trying to in the background. Uh, yeah, we do have Chris Medlin. I didn't hear that. Mr. Medlin, how's it going down there? <laughs> you might have heard me fighting with people, uh, trying <laughs> to get my way into the paddock again, because Monaco being a city, uh, every way in and out of where we're meant to work, it gets like crowded by fans, especially now the race is over. So everyone just piles in and uh, yeah, I had to get my elbows out in a, in a different way there. So apologies if my microphone was banging against uh, heads and things right then, but <laughs> I am now somewhere a little, little more calm. <laughs> there you go. Well, have you have you had a chance to to see Checo's face, the smile? <laughs> Only on TV. They're still over by the uh, podium or on their way back now to the press conference room back here. So they're not back in the paddock yet compared to the rest of the drivers who are currently going through some of their media duties uh, at the TV pen where I was uh, stationed earlier, as I explained, when it was raining and we were delaying the start. But on the TV, he looked very happy. And uh, I imagine he's only going to be more so now he gets back and kind of, I think the realization for a lot of drivers when it kind of hits them that they've done it, that they've finally won the Monaco Grand Prix. It doesn't matter how they do it. It doesn't matter what the race is like. To call yourself a Monaco Grand Prix winner is pretty damn special. Absolutely. Well, Chris, we were just talking about the opposite of Charles Leclerc and how just despondent, I think is the word for him and just, and mad. Well, yeah, understandably so. I mean, it just won't come right for him, will it? Here, that's his first finish. At least he's finally got points on the board uh, at his home race. So he's seen—I say he's done the race distance, but he still hasn't done that because obviously it was a shortened race, wasn't it? But uh, he was more um, more frustrated, I think, at the team making those calls, getting them wrong. Clearly, they were scattered. You could tell with the the calls they made and how quickly they tried to reverse them that they were. Um, not quite clear on what they were doing, but they'd already kind of missed the boat, hadn't they? Once they let Perez have two laps on intermediates, it was too late. It was it was kind of give that up and go with what uh, Carlos was doing and try and do just the one stop um, instead of going on to the Inters, which was clearly the quicker tire at the time. But if you miss that window to get onto it, you're in trouble. So, yeah, Ferrari with a lot of questions to answer. And it does, you know, it was a theme in the past that their strategy wasn't great. And uh, sadly, it's read its head here today. Mm, yeah. And Chris, speaking of, of uh, the timed race and everything. We did get full points today. Is that right? We did, yes. Once we got past lap 58, uh, it went to full points. And I think we made it to 62, 63, maybe even 64. Um, so we were, we were about 10 or 15 laps shy of the full distance, but we were far enough into it, uh, over 75%, that it's full points. So, uh, yeah, that closes things up quite nicely. Checo now um, taking, what, 10 points out of what was Max's lead uh, in the championship. I believe it put some 15 points behind him, which... Right. Pretty impressive. Well, Chris, yeah. I would say, do you think now that Checo is in a better position to turn around and say, look, this championship's wide open. You've got to let me fight for the championship right now. I'm only 15 points off the lead. Absolutely. And I think he already was saying that. And I think he was kind of hoping that would happen and expecting that to happen, uh, which is what annoyed him with Barcelona because it was so early. But Christian Horner, to be fair to him, I mean, I don't know how you would have done anything differently today, but he did say to us, didn't he, on that great interview that that Perez was still very much in the frame for the championship. So he would be freely allowed to try and get as many points as he could, uh, as long as it kind of benefited the team as a whole. So 
today it did. If they'd have moved him out of Max's way, it would have cost the team points overall, which even though Leclerc was behind them, wasn't sensible. So they waited. Uh, they, they didn't make any changes. They stuck with what they had. They let Checo control that race. And yeah, it's, it's brought him back into the frame. And you've got to do that this early because I don't know if we spoke about it previously, but if, if Max hits just a, a bit of misfortune and has a couple of uh, DNFs later in the season, maybe has two or three where something just goes wrong and we, we've seen reliability issues for Red Bull already, then if it just drops them out of contention slightly, but you've got Checo there scoring the points, then you can actually get behind the other driver. It sometimes happens. It happened with Ferrari, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, when, when Ferrari had Kimi Raikkonen in the title, the following year, he wasn't on it in the way that Felipe Massa was. It went Massa's way a little bit earlier. So Kimi ended up helping Massa try and win that championship. Sometimes you need to keep both in the race. But as I talk, uh, Charles Leclerc has just walked into the Ferrari motorhome next to me, head down. I mean, obviously, all oh. of the uh, guests here are trying to you know, say hello to him or want a photo or something. And he's, he's made sure his head was low so that nobody could catch his eye. And he's gone straight in, um, not saying a word. All right. Well, coming up, we're have more from Chris in Monaco. All right. We'll be back after a quick message. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, All Stop Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely... No, uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Alstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because obviously Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Talk, 1370, the right choice. Hi, guys. This is Pierre Gasly, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to our Formula One Monaco GP post-race show. And it's John Massigill sitting with the team, including Bob Varsha and Chris Medland in Monaco. Chris, I know you were chasing down Gunther, but he was averting his eyes not to, not to see you. Yeah, he was. he was. He was on the phone at one point, which um, someone did joke that he was trying to find a sponsor to pay for all the damage that uh, Mick caused today, didn't you? But um, <laughs> sorry, I can't remember who made that joke, but I mean, it could be true. Who knows? He's probably explaining it to uh, Gene what went wrong. But uh, yeah, he... He's in the motor, so he's still here. I thought he was going to shoot off tonight. And the delayed race quite often means that people do do that. Uh, team members suddenly have to dash because um, they're much later than they expected to leaving. But uh, at the moment, he's hiding inside. He doesn't doesn't want to chat. So I'm going to keep uh, strolling up and down what's half a paddock in Monaco because Chris, the engineering if, trucks are the other side. If that is Gene on the other end of that phone with Gunther, you need to get over there and beat the drive to survive folks to listen in on that. <laughs> that's, where, that's where he has his best does his best work just stick the mic in yeah see what we get i'm sure he'll be fine with it um no tough day tough day for us wasn't it uh expensive yeah. one and you know yeah there are sometimes opportunities even in a race uh, even at a track like monaco in the wet and yeah it, it went very very wrong but um i think he'll probably just be worried about how much it's going to cost especially in a budget cap era uh, and if they can get things repaired rebuilt um ready in time for baku Chris, we were talking about the top four cars, how they were all in such a tight, amazing finish to that race. But behind that, what caught your eye? You know, there was Russell behind that, Norris, Alonso, and Hamilton. It was interesting right behind that. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, George just keeps finishing in the top five, doesn't he? He can't yeah. not do it. Um, that was that was very impressive for them to get that strategy right and, and get the jump on Lando Norris. Uh, I liked that McLaren then tried something differently and, and Norris went and got the fastest lap and closed George right down. I think it was two tenths at the line. So there was a little bit of excitement there in case something was going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I think realistically, the, the bit that was catching my eye in the final part of the race, which went very, very Monaco, didn't it? Once it got dry, it was very, it was impossible to overtake. But uh, it was Fernando Alonso backing everyone up so much. And it, you know, the team said there was no issue. He wasn't, he wasn't managing a problem or anything like that. That was just the pace he chose to drive at. Uh, and it, you know, nobody could get past him, but it, it did in the end hurt his teammates' chances of getting those points, as you guys were mentioning just now. Uh, I don't know if I think Ocon would have needed a lot earlier in the race to be kind of um, had the pace upped so that he could get uh, clear of Valtteri Bottas behind him because Bottas was still pretty quick. But but when it got that late in the race and he's saying, "Oh, can you get Fernando to hurry up so I can pull clear?" It just didn't look like it was possible by that stage. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting one that Alpine will probably have to dissect and see if they shot themselves in the foot slightly with that one. But another thing I wanted to pick up, I don't know if anyone else noticed, but we saw onboard of uh, Max Verstappen kind of crossing the pit lane exit line coming out from his pit stop ahead of Leclerc. But then the race direction said that they'd noted Sergio Perez doing that. And then we heard nothing more. So whether they got that wrong in terms of which driver it was, I don't know. Um, but we never saw whether it was investigated, whether they're taking no further action. So um, I will shout if anything comes in on the uh, FIA documents that suggests that there's still things being looked at there. You know, in discussing Ocon, uh, he was still two spots out of points, but I don't think he would have made it past Sebastian is, I think, who his true obstacle was to get into the points. Uh, Gasly is arguable, but but I don't think he would have got past Vettel. I mean, Ocon and Gasly have had their issues before. Uh, well, no, so Ocon was actually ahead of them all. It's that his penalty's now been applied that drops him back there in that standing. So Ocon, was, back, yeah, yeah. Ocon was running directly behind Hamilton. Um, so he would have been ninth. Oh, but then because, because of the um, lack of pace from Alonso, that held him up. Then when they crossed the line, everyone was bunched up too much. And it dropped him, what, three places, if I'm recalling correctly? Was it 12th he was classified in the end? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, cost, costly that. Very costly. But I'll, I'll keep my eyes out because I'm not too far from Alpine. So I'll see if, uh, if Otmar will explain to us uh, what happened there. Good one. Well, you know, as we've said for a couple of races now, looking at George Russell so far ahead of Hamilton, what, uh, what do you make of this? And this is even in Monaco. 
Yeah, uh, Lewis did not look comfortable all weekend. Uh, only his qualifying evolved. Did he look like he was kind of then in the window a bit more uh, and the red flag didn't play into his hands. But that's when he looked a little bit more on it. Uh, but prior to that, yeah, George had the upper hand the whole way through. So, the, I mean, we won't look at the finishing time gaps right now because, as we mentioned, with Alonso holding Hamilton up, it became a huge gap that it wouldn't have been without that. But that's what happens at Monaco if you don't qualify well enough. And, you know, Hamilton just didn't get it done on his first lap. Uh, in Q3, had a lot to do with the second one, was ex- you know, expecting to have a clear run. And it's a risk you take if you don't uh, don't have one in the bag. So with the red flag, it, it really, really hurt him. Hey, Jonathan Green, what do you think about um, about what's beyond that? We went, we went through the top 10, basically. But, I mean, look at Ricardo down in 13th. What other, you know, things strike you? Yeah, I mean, you know, how the mighty have fallen. And you mentioned Ricardo. I mean, I, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's been some rumours around uh, about, obviously, Ricardo maybe not staying at McLaren. And today he didn't, you know, he didn't change that for anybody. Um, it wasn't a great performance for the weekend. Hamilton's the one that stands out. He continues to be outdone, if you will, by Russell. You can say the car's not great. You can say what you like, and he's not used to driving a poor car, whereas Russell's just delighted to drive whatever he can that's better than a Williams. Um, but he's getting the better of the car, and that's really how motor racing is judged by. I'm not saying they're going to get rid of Hamilton, but, uh, you know, the, talk about how motor racing, you know, one minute you're a hero, the next minute, you know, you're, you're struggling. Uh, and Hamilton just hasn't been a factor all season, and he wasn't, again, at a place where you would say, you know, okay, this is your chance. You know, there is no aero problem. There is no porpoising problem. There is no top speed problem. Um, but it, it, it didn't come to be. Um, so I, I'm looking closely at, at, at Hamilton's progress, but Ricardo versus Norris is not a good look for Daniel. Uh, and the, I don't know if Chris wants to weigh in on this, but there was a lot of rumours also uh, that Schumacher is being looked at potentially by Aston Martin with Audi coming in. They're looking for a German driver. He is a German driver, and evidently Gunter Steiner was heard to say, well, I know all I can tell you is I've got to have a Ferrari uh, driver in that seat. So it was kind of a, an offhand comment. Um, but obviously, Mick, you know, forget today's crash. Mick, Mick um, is being looked at for the future, both by Ferrari and whoever else uh, might be interested in him. Yeah, I think... And all along- I was going to say, sorry, from a Ferrari perspective, I think yeah, that he needs to do something pretty special to get in there. I don't think that's going to quite happen, but Ferrari giving him every chance to prove it, because what a story that would be. But from an Aston point of view, uh, his his manager slash kind of um, comms PR director, uh, Sabine Kem, who worked with Michael as well in the past, she's been down at Aston quite a bit uh, this weekend. Uh, so you know, it, it could be, he's close with Seb. Um, she's close with Seb's. Um, Press officer Britta, potentially it was just um, polite chats regularly, but it was it was notable that she was down there a lot. So, you know, it could have legs. Along those same lines, I saw Zach Brown from McLaren quoted as saying, and I'm not sure I'll get this right, but with regard to Ricardo, he said, I'm not going to discuss the contract, but there are things in there that bind us together. And there are things in that contract that don't bind us together. Um, you know, which tends to indicate that perhaps there are options, maybe on both sides, to uh, say, you know what, this isn't working out. So um, exactly, exactly right, Bob. That contract goes into twenty three, and uh, this week I saw that stated with with uh, Brown as well. That uh, and and you know, Daniel Ricardo kind of brought attention to it just in some of his his responses. Uh, he, he didn't have that big smile we usually see around this and this weekend, but he does. They both have a way to get out of the contract or stay within it. So it uh, sounds like it's written in pencil. Hey, Chris, did you did you hear any dietary suggestions? I heard a rumor that Ricardo was giving dietary suggestions to uh, Zach Brown. Was that just a, an Internet rumor? That's uh, yeah, that's a, a parody Twitter account that I'll admit uh, is is not something that I'm a massive fan of. But they they pretend that they've seen uh, something reported somewhere and 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 put it up and put a source on the bottom, but then that source never exists. Uh, and I've been having to fight some uh, fires with that before, actually, where you suddenly find yourself tagged in a completely false tweet that they're trying to be funny with, and people are telling you it's wrong, and you're like, yes, it is wrong. I you know I didn't say that. I, that is not 
true at all and they they just think it's funny so uh no because zach actually is in indy right now he'll be right. focusing very much on the start of 500 which i think is about this second uh, uh that's and that's right out. by the way uh on uh, if to add fuel to that real real fuel to that fire if you like uh pato award has just signed a new two-year contract till 25 or three-year contract with mclaren till 25 as he just about start the uh, 500 and he has not ruled out potential of formula one as we found out at miami Mm. Yeah, I mean that is something that um, yeah he really wants to wants to do. Would like to get himself into, but um, it remains to be seen. I think what options come with that, and I don't there's any guarantees. Uh, speaking of Daniel, he's actually just uh, heading past me right now, recording. I believe probably his media quote for the press officer there, uh, and yeah, he doesn't look particularly happy. This is where it's tough for drivers. I'll admit uh, it's very busy in here, and Daniel there is getting hounded for photos and people wanting selfies with him and you know he's just had a really tough afternoon and he's clearly not smiling but he's having to put it on for the cameras um because you know fans are, are demanding right now so that must be tough tough for these drivers uh to, to have a really tough one and then you know be asked to be at your best not easy at all mm, yeah i think we could actually hear the cameras clicking well all right gentlemen let's uh let's take a quick break here when we come back we'll continue with more from chris in monaco and we'll continue to break down the monaco grand prix As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We got Bob Varsha, Jonathan Green, Les Kaiser, myself, John Massinger. We got Chris Medland in Monaco. Chris, is there anybody worth interviewing within shot, earshot, or eye shot? Sadly, not. Uh, Gunther's still <laughs> hiding from me. I tried to speak to Omar Zafna and was told he's already on the plane. So I told you people get out of here quickly. Uh, and as I said, Charlotte Kirk, when I hit away, I'm going to try and get Mattia Bonotto, actually. He was kind enough to speak to us last week after a tough one. I don't know if he'll do it two weeks in a row. 
but um, I'll keep my eyes peeled for him when he comes back to the Ferrari Motorhome and see if he'll have a word. But uh, at the moment, it's a very full paddock with guests and not that many drivers or team bosses. So uh, I will keep hanging hanging around and trying to annoy people, which is what I do best. So if hey, I Chris, remember that. Did you, uh, did, you, did you spot any celebrities this year? We haven't talked about superstars. Uh, there was a few. I think Serena Williams was here. Um, saw quite a few footballers, uh, soccer players, that is. So um, Pierre-Emerick or Bamiang, who's uh, a Barcelona striker. Saw Chris Gale, the uh, West Indies legendary cricketer, uh, who I was going to try and get on the grid, but it was raining hard and uh, I decided to talk to a team member instead in uh, Andreas Seidel. So, um, yeah, there was, there was quite a few out there on the grid. Obviously, we got Patrick Dempsey on the first part of the show, which was really cool to do. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there, was, there was a few around, but... Um, and we got Liam Cunningham as well, didn't we? we? Managed to get him on from Game of Thrones. Uh, so, but there's a few that that come to this race a lot. Kit Harrington as well comes to this race all the time. Um, there's a lot of them just yeah. pick this as a favourite, and I imagine it's not to do with the on-track action all that often. Although, admittedly, for any guests that do manage to come, you, know, you can get the closest to any race car or any Formula One car here in Monaco. Uh, so, if if you've got a good VIP pass, you're going to make use of it here. So, I can understand why they would pick this one. And also, also the, you got uh, that with the Cannes Film Festival just yeah, sorry. <laughs> can wrap, uh, wrapped up yesterday. I thought maybe some some of the Tom Cruises and so on in the world would uh, would come show up on the grid at Monaco. But of course, they're a little bit shy when it comes to rain. <laughs> well, yeah, and Tom Cruise isn't exactly too crazy. So I imagine he might have been harder to spot in there. But um, I believe they're off to promoing is at the new Top Gun. So... Um, yeah, that would have been cool to have to have there. But I, that, to be fair, didn't actually see that many film stars. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of um, sportsmen and, and musicians. But uh, yeah, Monaco still brings them out. I'd say if we're if we're being competitive, I'd say Miami edged it this year. Hey Chris, so what about today as a whole? You know, we came into the weekend with the potential, you know, with Monaco in jeopardy. This the the rumors and discussions, but. I mean, today the the rain was exciting at first, but it sure was a long delay, and that didn't help us at all. But what about today as a whole? I think we've seen actually some things that need fixing. Um, I think I think there's a lot that could be done better uh, in terms of how long it took to start the race or restart the race after a delay. Um, all of that sort of stuff. Where yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a pain to see. You know, the track condition was, was suddenly good and it was suddenly okay, and but we weren't ready to go racing again. So I've, I've actually seen someone who's going to be happy. And I don't know if he'll just give us one quick word, but Lando Norris is walking down. Lando, how happy are you with how your race went? Um, I'm in the middle. Uh, I lost out to the Merc, which is a bit frustrating, but it's also conditions where it's very easy to one lap less. And, uh, and we wouldn't have done. So um, comes and goes sometimes in these conditions. So I'm not complaining. Um, easy, you can get him back next time. So, uh, yeah, got, got the race out of the way. Good points. Fastest lap as well, which is always a bonus. So um, I'm happy. How do you feel? Well, you can hear, I'm not 100% still, but uh, I'm almost there. So I'll be ready for backing. Thank you, Lando. So it's have got a driver. And um, yeah, he's been really struggling with tonsillitis. But uh, that's the first time I've actually seen him in the flesh since Barcelona. And he's looking a heck of a lot better now than he was. Fastest lap, pretty cool. Exactly, yeah. And he lost one point in the end to George in that sense. George gets 10 points, doesn't he, for fifth. Lando, eight. But then with the extra lap, fastest lap <coughs> point, he scores nine. So uh, a position lost, but only one point lost. Tell him the solution to tonsillitis is to have them out. I guess he might have to now, to be honest. There won't have been the time in between races, but maybe that's what he's going to go and do yeah. next week. Jonathan, what else struck you about today? Just how competitive it was. Um, and, you know, usually we say Monaco's the lottery, but really what, what happened, it was Ferrari versus Red Bull, as it has been all season. So I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we're going to see more and more of that. And I'm really enjoying this season as a, a wide-open four-man stroke six-car battle for the championship. Yep. Speaking of the driver's championship, let's take a quick look at the driver's standings. Verstappen's lead is now 120. He's got 125. Leclerc, 116. Perez now within 15 points at 110. And George Russell behind him at 84. And signs at 83, basically tied with Russell. So uh, very interesting driver standings right now. And I think the probably the most interesting thing to me is thinking about we touched on this, but where Perez and Verstappen stand and as far as the team goes. But um, Jonathan, what about what about how 
Leclerc, you know, looking ahead. I mean, the car looked crazy fast coming into the weekend, right? But what about how this affects him mentally? I mean, he's been he's been pretty strong lately mentally. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, um, Bob talked about this. I talked about the pressure that was on him this weekend, and I agree with Bob. He's not the kind of guy. You, you saw that one look of complete and utter disbelief when he was at the back of the during the red flag, where he couldn't believe he'd been let down as much as he had. But you know, he got back onto it. He got a good result. Um, you know, um, he lost some points, but he didn't lose a massive load to to Verstappen. Uh, he's not going to crack, despite whatever craziness Ferrari throwed him. And, and I think he knows that growing up the way he has and, and knowing Ferrari and being being effectively half Latin himself, growing up in Monaco a little bit. I think, you know, he, he understands what he's dealing with and how the Italians work. And I don't fear for him uh, as, a, as a Ferrari driver. I, I think Carlos Sainz would, would probably you know, have more problems with, with Ferrari messing about than, than Leclerc would. He's his own man. He is confident in his own abilities and he showed it in qualifying. Uh, you know, he should have won this race and I think he'll go to Baku more determined. Um, I don't doubt he will suddenly have a crisis of confidence that they're not behind him. I think he'll also have a terrific car under him in Baku. This is going to be another one of those races where the top speed of the Red Bull against the the, the agility and the low-speed corners that Ferrari handles so well it should make that a terrific showdown. And uh, I think you're right. I think uh, that Charles will get the bit right back between his teeth, as it were. And given that Sainz drove so well this weekend, uh, you know, they'll be back strong. I don't, I don't think there's much doubt about that. The thing that, that sticks with me about this race, and I hate to keep going back and beating up on the Alpine team, but you know, with with uh, Alonso going so slowly at the end of the race and costing his teammate um, to to some degree uh, the opportunity to negate that five second penalty for the collision with Hamilton, I think it also robbed us of some terrific midfield battles. I think if everybody had been at full song, there would have been a, a more entertaining um, midfield fight than there turned out to be, simply because uh, Alonso was in the way. It's quite funny you guys were chatting just before that there about Charles Leclerc. Um, I managed to get myself in the kind of the wrong place at the wrong time there. But as he was just leaving, Stefano Domenicali was waiting for him. Domenicali was in his civvies as well and ready to make a run for it. So he, he couldn't stop and chat. But Domenicali wanted to console Leclerc. He just had a, a word in his ear for a little while and a hug. Um, and I think he, yeah, I mean, Domenicali's worked for Ferrari before. So he would have loved to have seen a Ferrari win, I'm sure. But certainly the story that would have been Leclerc's home win. Uh, so he was, yeah, consoling him, had some words for him. And Leclerc already looks a little bit more reflective. As you were saying, it won't, it won't crack him. He already looks that kind of rueful smile, but he was engaging with people. He did a couple of photos there. So, um, yeah, he's already, I think, going to be probably speaking the right way. Uh, it may well have been, actually, that he was going back to uh, do a few interviews that he'd run away from when he was frustrated. So, um, yeah, as you guys rightly put it, it, it won't massively, massively affect him, I don't think. He, he'll be disappointed right now. And by tomorrow morning, he'll be telling us how he's just going to go and win him back here and, and claw the points back. And as you said, he only lost a few to Verstappen. Yeah, it's yeah. like any heartbreak, you know. It hurts, but you get over it. Yeah. And another thing about the strategies that I thought was interesting was the way the Red Bull and Ferrari teams used the, the double stack, the pit stop strategy. Uh, you know, it worked for Red Bull undercutting and splitting the Ferraris, uh, whereas Ferrari didn't pull it off as well. And, and our, our boy, Charles Leclerc, found himself dropping back to fourth. That plus the fact that he made the extra pit stop going to the intermediate tires. But um, it was a real pit stop battle. And we haven't seen that kind of double stacking by two teams in a long time. Yeah, good point. Hey, Chris, we just have about a, a little bit of time, minute and a half, two minutes left. But um, you and I talked about on the Wednesday show about – Mercedes, how much better they looked after the Spanish Grand Prix, but not so, I mean, Russell, once again, like you mentioned in fifth, but not a great weekend for Mercedes. No, I mean, we spoke to Toto, didn't we, pre-race, and he kind of was aware that they were not strong here and didn't seem overly upset about that, really. I think he was realistic. He was asked on the Sunday night. I mean, it's interesting. George Russell thought they'd be okay here when he was talking about things in, uh, in Barcelona before that race. But now after that race, uh, 
George was maybe a little bit more reflective and Toto was the one really trying to talk it down and say, no, 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 I don't think we'll be that strong. Uh, and that's exactly how it panned out, actually. Um, so I think they were, they were prepared for it. They're ready for it. Uh, and that meant that uh, he was philosophical before the race. He's probably pretty happy now. The fact that Russell got ahead of Norris and um, again, top five, he'll be, he'll be pretty pleased with that. All right. Well, we need to get in a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll talk about some some Kimi Raikkonen in NASCAR and, and some more topics. You're listening to Speed City. Back up at these. USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com That's MotivationUSA.com If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters. VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young, single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 US Championship, they also have programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. I want to uh, I want to touch on some. Uh, we've got a lot of Americans coming up through the Formula One ladder, and Jonathan, you have been keeping an eye on that very closely. Yeah, um, obviously, um, while Formula One was taking the main stage, uh, obviously Formula Two was there too. And good result for Enzo Fittipaldi and Logan Sargent, both getting in the top 10. And overall, after the Monaco weekend, uh, Enzo is now seventh overall after scoring a fifth place in the feature race. Uh, and Logan Sargent picked up a couple of points and he's ninth over uh, overall in the championship standings, uh, just behind um, Lawson. In fact, he and Lawson... Uh, Liam Lawson are on equal points on 38 points at the moment. And then it's Enzo Ferrari's seventh place. So they're very much in the hunt. Um, Thierry Pocher leads the way. Sorry, Djokovic leads the way at the moment on 113 points. But given this is what, a halfway point almost, not quite. Um, they're both in, in good shape uh, as the season goes forward. Mm. Hey, Les Kaiser, you had an interesting uh, story you wanted to talk about. I alluded to it before the break about Kimi Raikkonen coming back to NASCAR. Let's not forget he's done this before. Yes, yes, yes. It uh, should be interesting. In August, he's going to be racing with Team Trackhouse, who has you know a third car, basically, somewhat of an empty or, or flexible seat there. And uh, Kimi's coming back in, going to take some laps in that Camaro. So uh, I think that should be great. I can just imagine what the press conferences are going to be like. Yeah, and I, I saw an interview with Kimmy about that, um, and he what the belief is that the, the new gen uh, car is so much more like a V8 uh, car or a GT car that um, it, you know it shouldn't be the monster that that that, that were previous NASCARs. And so someone like Kimmy should, should should be up to speed, and he was talking about the fact that it is much more like a GT car, and so he's he's looking forward to it. Plus, it's a road course; he may not have raced it before, but he's done a little bit of trick uh, truck racing and a little bit of Xfinity, so there's no reason um, that he couldn't uh, turn his hand to this. Uh, and as we all know, he loves doing things like this. So. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about what you just said about how it's closer to a GT car. I'm thinking, I bet it's still closer to the old NASCAR than it is to a GT car. But I, still, good point. I mean, it's been a big change with the car. Bob, what do you think about Raikkonen going, uh, playing around in NASCAR? 
I think it's a great thing. You know, it, don't forget, he's also done some rally. Yep. Um, and God knows what else. I mean, Kimmy loves to drive, period. Uh, and I can speak as one of two um, commentators who got thrown out of Kimi Raikkonen's test with Kyle Busch's truck team at uh, a, a, a beautiful pavement track just uh, north of my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I got thrown out by Dan Elliott, Bill Elliott's youngest brother, who was the general manager of the track at that time. So you had all these worldwide superstars throwing me and Lee Diffie out of the track because he saw somebody with a TV camera and that wasn't our guy, just somebody from one of the local TV networks sent this, you know, this shooter up there and our mistake was standing too close to the guy in a totally empty grandstand. <laughs> well, if they won't let you and Lee Diffie in, uh, there's nobody going to get in. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was, was I good think fun. I think that to make this the most interesting, they need to, to microphone up live behind the wheel, Kimmy Raikkonen, to really make that fascinating. Leave me alone. <laughs> I've got this. I've got this. <laughs> you know, if we can get him to talk. But you, Les, do you remember when we interviewed Kimmy Raikkonen? We asked, I had like a two pages of questions. I thought, it's Kimmy. I'm going to get sure. one word. I think we only used like three questions. He spoke with us for an endless amount of time. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things is he says he, he just loves coming to Austin. And I think, you know, quite honestly, I think we kind of handle things a little different than a lot of the press folks. Uh, once they get used to the Speed City yeah. crowd, we're not trying to gig them or do anything like that. And it's just, hey, just hang out. We'd crack a beer open if they'd let us. But I think they're beginning <laughs> to figure that out. Hey, Bob Barsha, um, I mentioned to Chris right and before he Chris had to leave, but um, about what he thought was Monaco today. In other words, it was overall, you know, he thought there were some mistakes made. What about you? What do you think looking back over history and, and, and looking ahead? What do you think about Monaco? I think Monaco was, uh, you know, what it always is. It's a huge challenge, very different race, much anticipated. You know, it, it gets huge worldwide television figures. Um, the place was jammed, as Chris said, and I can vouch for that because I was there yesterday for practice and qualifying. And um, I mean, the place was just people everywhere, all the way up the hill of the rock to uh, old Monaco, Monacoville. Um, there were long roads that allowed bus and car traffic up. And you could see there were people jamming two and three deep all the way up the hill and all the way across the top over to the Royal Palace. Every balcony, you know, had flags and signs and, and folks hanging out. Every rooftop, uh, the flat ones had tents on them where people are having parties. So, you know, Monaco is such a, <clears throat> a gift to the Formula One fan, no matter what happens in the race. And in the race, as I talked about in the pre-race show, it's such a challenge, not only the drivers, but to the teams and the engineers and the strategists and all that sort of thing. And, you know, some folks get it right, some get it wrong. These were the totally new for 2022 race cars and the totally new for 2022 18-inch Pirelli tires. The cars are longer and wider and heavier than they've ever been before. So you kind of had to throw out the you know, the, the mechanics notes on this one and, and just go with your best guess about what it was going to take. Uh, and obviously Ferrari and Red Bull had everything dialed in um, and everybody else was kind of chasing. So, you know, I think in, in, in many ways uh, it was just your typical Monaco added in the rain. And uh, tonight the traditional parties will last yeah. well into the night as all the boats in the harbor that you watched on the TV show all take off. And it's a very organized thing, but it looks like the maritime equivalent of apocalypse now, just dozens and dozens and dozens of these gigantic, um, you know, super yachts. Um, I looked at it the other day and I thought there can't be that many Russian oligarchs in the world. <laughs> to have I was thinking that. I'm going to lock them in. Boats. Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's staggering. It really is. There's one right outside my porthole here now. It's go look, it's like something right out of a Bond movie. It's golden in color, very swoopy. <laughs> and I'm told it's the first super yacht made out of carbon fiber. It's it's not it's not metal, it's not fiberglass, it's uh, you know, it's it's only the best will do, and money is no object, and uh, 
Bay. Wow. It's quite something. That's Nikita Mazepin's new super yacht. Ooh. Yeah, maybe so. No, he, he wouldn't have it anymore. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, totally apropos of nothing, something I found out this weekend, if a government impounds a super yacht by international yeah. law, they have to maintain it oh. in its current condition. And that can cost between one and two million dollars a year. And that means we're paying. So there you go. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That sounds like that story about the uh it sounds like the story I saw this week. By the way, congrats to all you 2022 high school graduates and and college. Funny story. High school seniors rode their horses to school here in Texas, which when they do that, the principal of the school is required to take care of your horse that day. That law was still in place. Really? All righty then. <laughs> hey, so, I, yeah. I just want to, you know, I want to follow up with what Bob said. Yeah, there was a lot of talk, but as Bob said in the pre-show, that talk was all about money. Uh, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. there's jostling for position. Formula One definitely want to see some more control over uh, ACM, who have run the event, and they do get things right. I think they got the TV wrong today. They needed to be more informative to the to the worldwide audience and think about the television audience because they weren't informing them. They couldn't do anything about the weather, but they should have been better at informing every broadcaster as to what was going on, including ourselves. So those are the sort of things that I think Formula One will want to control. Um, But you're never going to take ACM away. You're never going to take Monaco away. The Indy 500 is today. It has the same (laughs) sort of caveat if you will over the indycar championship there are things that happen during the month of may that couldn't happen at any other race there are traditions that continue like the carb day and so on and long may they continue so just if you think of monaco sure. think of the indy 500 and that's that you know it's just one of those things it's a one-off and long may it continue they are the jewels in the crown and they've got to continue as they are yeah good that's point, right Jonathan. triple crown how many drivers have won? Indy, Le Mans, and Monaco. One. One. Graham Hill. The man is Montoya. He's won two of them. I was at the race in Monaco. <laughs> he won, won two that. of them. Yep. Yep. Um, Alonso has won two of them. That's it. Who else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Much. That's a short list. Mm-hmm. Very short. Well, I need to go. We need to wrap this up pretty soon because I'm gonna. I gotta get my grill going. Gotta get some hamburgers going and feed the whole family, just like the traditional. What time greatest... do you want us there? <laughs> what? What time do you want us there? <laughs> well, considering That's you're right. in New York and Bob's in Nice, and <laughs> yeah, you're safe. Yeah, I think I'm safe. Um, hey, I do have one last story I do want to talk about, and it's about Formula One in Vegas. If you guys recall, they bought 39 acres. And I, I, it's funny, I was talking to a, a real estate banker. He goes, they bought 39 acres in downtown Vegas? Where, how did they do that? That's, that's a good point. But, but uh, what they've decided to do with this is really interesting because they're going to do, they, the, uh, the permitting shows that it's permitted for mixed use. And so the rumors are that they're, that which, mean, which means residential up above and commercial down below, but the rumors are that they are talking about having concerts because of the tie-in with, you know, Liberty Media also owns um, Live Nation, Live Nation. and SiriusXM. So having a yep. concert venue and uh, but having a year-round presence in Las Vegas. I mean, it's almost like they're saying this is this is our new home. So you have almost like there like you, you said when I spoke with you, it's like a Ferrari World in Vegas, F1 World in Vegas. Right. So. Uh, really fascinating to see what they're going to do with that. But they did pay $240 million for 39 acres in Vegas. But hey, so guys, we're one more time. reason. One more reason to accept the Andretti's get that money back. Yeah, exactly. We're out of time. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And thanks, everybody, for t- who tuned in on um, on YouTube and Facebook. And, of course, we do have our – when we're not doing a Formula One show, we have our regular Sunday night show Heard in Austin on 1370, that's every Sunday night at 7 o'clock Central Time. And if you want to follow us on social media, go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, and you can find all the links there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Happy trout. Ciao.
we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.